0: we're on the air it's hockey night tonight tension grows the whistle blows and the puck goes down the ice the goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane someone roars bobby scores at the good old hockey game oh the good old
1: hockey all right welcome to vegas hockey hotline powered by station casinos and the stm sports app that's stevie slapshot i'm dana lane from the brian blessing studios and uh another we're going to talk about this a little bit more in depth with our our second guest this hour but another debacle in Winnipeg last night and I there's no answers because you're, you the talent level for sure whether it's you know goaltending, uh, d- on defense um, yes there's a smattering of uh, the guys that you would know that would, should, would be there normally but you I mean William Carlson's playing on a wing right now I mean you're just looking for answers yeah
2: and there's, there's no answers. There, there, there are no answers. I, again, I'm, I'm for moving to Donna, or I'm, God, I was we were talking about Dana I'm from moving Amadio up to that line and, and trying that. But that, but you know, and you may get some scoring there, but that's not going to solve all the problems. And, and again, as I, as I mentioned to Cam, I, I, I think I'm on this. It's when you always go for the for the biggest fish, you're giving up all your assets to get that guy. And so now you have no backups. Now, look, anybody who loses the quality of Stone and Martinez and Pacioretty, it's going to be tough to recover from that. But there's no horses here to fill those spots right now. There just aren't.
1: I think the leak was sprung when they decided to get rid of Marc-Andre Fleury. That's fair. Not knowing, obviously, what would be in the future injury-wise – yeah, but boy, it would be nice to have Mark back there. Right
2: I, now. I, I I would rather have Mark, but again, I think that was a DeBoer decision. I I think DeBoer, you know, he's the the the, the memory of those five goals on the uh, on the non-major uh, stuck with DeBoer, and he didn't want Fleury as his goaltender. Okay. I I, I well, got to believe that was the that, that's fine. Well, yeah. then
3: you
1: can
2: have the memory of seven goals last night. <laughs>
1: Okay, well, I'll go through the news. Uh, Eric Schaldrin, as we talked about earlier, gets his first win at the NHL level for Toronto. Couldn't have come at a better time for the Leafs, who are in desperate, uh, desperate mode right now with Jack Campbell out and you know, Peter Mrazek an absolute mess. Bruins are breathing down their neck in the Atlantic Division, and also uh, a fight that I had with Brian many times about who is better, Alex Ovechkin. Uh gets a goal last night in a four three shootout win for the Capitals. That's number seven sixty-seven. And it trails Gretzky by hundred and twenty seven goals and Gordy Howe only by thirty-four, which he, barring unforeseen injury, should get next year. And uh, I'm telling you, I you know, for me, and I've watched games before my time and, and you know, caught up on games when I, you know, struggling to find cable TV out in the middle of nowhere, which we talked about earlier. I think Alex Ovechkin, for me, and and people are probably saying I'm way off. He's the best. And I've seen Gretzky. I've seen him not maybe in his prime. Maybe a little bit, just still had a toe in his prime. But Alex Ovechkin, to me, for what he brings, his willingness to be physical, his offense, obviously. His presence on the ice, the fact that everybody knows where he's going to camp out and still can't stop him on a power play. He's the best player that I've ever seen, Stevie. Uh, in in a in an era oh, are we gonna fight now? No in an era, Steve, yeah, where goaltending is at an all time high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I watch games back in the seventies and it, you know, well, they
2: were scoring eight goals a game when, when Gretzky well, that, played. That,
1: that the Oilers were.
2: Yeah, well, well oh, yeah, but but again, totals were were a, a goal higher than they are now. You know, uh, at, at the sports books. Look,
1: I, uh, equipment's bigger. The, the goaltenders are more athletic. They know how to play the position better. Yeah, how many times have we seen these old time videos where goaltenders are just you know sprawling on yeah, the ice you know, and just so out of position that, and they're not quiet in their net at all?
2: That, that's all true. I, I think Gretzky also played with better players on the Oilers. Of course, they got that uh, you know were, 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 we're great assist makers, got him the, the puck in good spots. I, th- I think that Gretzky also though could create better. Uh, then ovechkin uh, is get that. Him, get himself shots give you that uh, overall I think ovechkin is the better player, especially under Trotz. i mean well, I wish we trots had been his coach for his whole career, and we 'd have seen that ovechkin for fifteen twenty years um he 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 's not he 's not as physical he doesn 't play the defense uh when trots has has not been his coach uh, that he did when trots was um but uh, the the size that he is,
1: you could ask a lot more of him when he was younger. Yeah, the, the, uh, I don't the, think the, you can ask of that him the, of that the, now.
2: The size, the size that he is, and the skills that he has, um, he should have been should i should have been the better all around hockey player in his career um, than than Gretzky was. Uh,
1: so the Golden Knights lose last night seven to three as they are clinging, and I make this analogy. You know, in the movies when the guy's hanging from the cliff by one finger, and he's, you know, and all of a sudden you look up and the guy that could save him or could not save him is on top. Uh, I picture that being the Dallas Stars right now. Mm -hmm. They may step on the finger and end it, or they might help him up a little bit by not winning games. Either way, Vegas has to find a victory. But other teams, we talk talk, uh, about the Arizona Coyotes, you know, a team that, you know, we left them for dead. And now they are absolutely not only competitive. But they're winning games. They're putting pucks in the back of the net. To we'll talk about the Coyotes a little bit more, I'd like to welcome in my good friend Scott Strand, who created Ice Times Hockey Southwest, covers the ACHA, Division One hockey, and the NHL with... Uh, NHL emphasis on the Coyotes. And, Scott, where are you right now? Because the story behind that is every time I talk to you, buddy, and I, I talked to you for an hour and a half last Friday, you're out in the middle of nowhere. And, I I mean, where where could you
4: possibly be right now? Well, Dana and Stevie, the, uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me on. But the, um, the fact of it is my alarm went off at 4 a.m. and I left Denver, Colorado at 5. And uh now I'm
1: just outside of Lincoln on uh, my way to St. Paul uh for the NCHC Frozen Faceoff. Man, you are yeah, I, I just to give you background uh, on on Scott and he's got a wonderful staff there, Stephen Marsh, we've been friends for years. Uh, I mean, you have a passion for this sport and I and I have you on to talk about the Coyotes, but man, you were just at the ACHA tournament in St. Louis uh you're you're off again to another tournament i mean you have a passion for this sport that's what i love about you it's not about putting a spotlight on scott it's about putting a spotlight on uh on on the sport of hockey in leagues that people might not be too familiar with but you know this is like a passion project for you uh, that someday hopefully with your your future dreams is going to pay off big and you're going to be in a penthouse with your with your lovely lovely wife at one point
4: that's the hope um yeah, it's, uh, I started it seven years ago, Dana, because uh, I, I knew ASU was getting an NCAA team, and I knew with the media in Arizona, they wouldn't get uh, much coverage, and they don't. So uh, I wanted to put a spotlight on the players and, and try to get some uh, respect for the NCAA program, who now has a new tenant, by the way.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. And that's not official yet, right? I mean, is it today, the announcement? Um, For who? Uh, I'm sorry Were you talking about Lindenwood going to Division 1
4: No no No, no, that's coming up on Monday. But I was talking about uh, Arizona State and the New the Arizona Coyotes. Oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) Well,
1: let's get into that a little bit because our conversation was so interesting (laughs) last week. I said, you you know, you got to come on and talk about this. And everybody thinks, oh, you know, the Coyotes are going in to play with Arizona State. This is going to be fantastic. What a relationship this is going to be. Great for Arizona State. And they're going to be, you know, kind of the uh, little brother to the Coyotes. but. That's not the case there. I, I'm guessing between Arizona State and and the Coyotes.
4: No, yeah, absolutely not. Um, the Coyotes ended up at Arizona State's new facility, which, by the way, is not even done yet. It won't open until uh, June or July. Um, but they ended up there basically on poor planning. Uh, they were in, uh, convinced that the city of Glendale would let them back into Gila to Gila River Arena uh, if. If and when things came to push, came to shove type thing. And uh, that just wasn't the case. The uh, city of Glendale made up their mind they were done dealing with the Coyotes. They're done dealing with hockey. As a matter of fact, they're remodeling Gila River Arena in about a month uh, as soon as the regular season is over to uh, make it a concert venue because they think they can make more money in uh, 40 concert dates than they can in 41 home games of the Coyotes.
1: And it's a terrific venue. I've been there m- oh, numerous beautiful. times. I mean, I don't think people understand how how nice it is. And, I mean, it literally is like walking into a movie theater. You know that feel when you walk into a movie theater yeah. and, and you're kind of, yeah. oh, this is, this is cozy. I mean, excluding for the seats that go back, I mean, it is a really great arena. Unfortunately, nobody goes to see it. And I have this argument, Scott. You know, I know, the, I know it's the NFL and I know it's less games, but people – you know The Cardinals haven't always been great, and they still found a way to get to that stadium. And by the way, it's in the same parking lot. So I don't understand. Is it just because of their lack of success? Is it because of where they are? Uh, and now, why is it the NHL seems so unwilling to move them? Is it because of market size? What is it uh, that the NHL is saying, hey, well, we're going to really make sure that you stayed there, Uh, It's not something they did for a lot of other franchises when they moved.
4: No. um, It's basically this, Dana. If they would have built that same Gila River Arena um, in Scottsdale, in Old Town Scottsdale, they'd have a T-Mobile. It would be fantastic. There would be, uh, you know, street traffic. There would be stuff around. And Gila River has stuff around it. The problem with it is the hockey money in Arizona is all on the east side. And you're not going to get the corporate people to – to gold there during the weekdays, and if you're winning, they'll go there on the weekends. But if you're not winning, there's just too many other choices in Arizona to uh, save a 45-, 50-minute trip, and if there's an accident on one of those freeways, now you're on the city streets and it becomes an hour and a half. So uh, it was a poor choice uh, to build it, but you have to understand why it was built there in the first place. The owner at the time owned that land, and he wanted an anchor for his mall. And uh, that part of it worked. He made a
2: ton of money. Then he sold the team. Then he sold the building, and he got out of it. In the end, Scott, does, does uh, the Coyotes end up staying in Arizona? It seems like you know the the, the government, uh, the, the bureaucracy there, is fighting to, to, to keep them there. But you know, if attendance isn't you know better uh, here going forward, uh, is is it possible for them to stay?
4: It's possible for them to stay, but they, uh, they have to find a permanent home. Um, where they want to build in Tempe, it's a beautiful spot right near the airport, right near the uh, quote-unquote Tempe Town Lake. But the problem with it is that land is uh, an old maintenance yard for years for the city of Tempe. So before you can even start to work on it, you got to excavate, get all of it approved by the EPA, which could take a year to two years and a bunch of money just to do that. Then you got to build on it. And, uh, the second problem is the Coyotes have not been, um, just to say this politely, the best of tenants uh, anywhere they've been. Um, and because of that over the last decade, uh, there's very few places that are willing to trust them. And this is a big venture. Uh, Alex Murillo is planning on not only, uh, uh a hockey rink, but a practice facility, hotels, restaurants, all under his, watch, if you will, and I believe he thinks his sports betting venue is uh, is going to be the savior for him, and I'll be honest with you, I don't know. I, I just don't know. So the city of Kempe has to vote on it. They have to approve it. My my word is that there's one or two that are hard hard and fast against it at all costs, but, but realistically, even if it gets passed, it's it's going to be a minimum of five years in my mind.
1: So even if... Is Glendale done with hockey or are they just done with the Coyotes? Because there's other uh, organizations that could legitimately be there and, and be successful organizations that will, you know, let's face it, before we even get to the wins and losses, that will actually pay their bills.
4: Yeah, they're um, they're done with hockey, from what I told. They're uh, remodeling the building to be a, a major concert venue. As you mentioned, Dean, that's like a movie theater. Well, that's what they want to make, is it a more intimate. Um, concert venue. A lot like you see in Vegas and some of the big uh, hotels and casinos, Uh, they want to make it a little bit more intimate, and uh, I don't think you should play hockey when they're done.
1: What about – okay, so they're going going to share facilities with Arizona State, who's a a D1 hockey team, a relatively new D1 hockey team. But is it not correct in my thinking that it's going to be – you know, the Sun Devil logo in the middle of the ice. This is going to be the Sun Devil's arena. And has that discussion happened yet? And if it hasn't, I would think there's an explosion over that as well.
4: Well, yeah, it's happened. Uh, The Arizona State Athletic Department was not uh, on board with this idea from the start. Um, The the president and the CFO were obviously on board because of the money they saw coming in I mean they basically could pay for that building uh through coyote lease payments over three four or five years and uh, there's just so many issues Dana uh and stevie they look, look at uh, uh the n h l and the NCAA cannot share facilities they have to be separate so there's a twenty million dollar annex that was approved last month uh they have to build buildings with uh separate n h l locker rooms and medical facilities and all of those things that go along with an NHL building. That's being built on to the uh, Arizona State Arena. Um, But, yeah, Coach Powers was on my podcast, and, and he made it very clear. I called it a Herb Brooks moment because he came out and said, let's be clear, this is Arizona State's building, and we are gracious and happy that we can help out our NHL franchise in their time of need. But let's uh, oh, make no doubt that this is an Arizona State <laughs> building.
1: Man, that is fantastic! This is this is good, good stuff. Uh, we're talking to Scott Strand from uh, the uh, uh, Southwest. Well, I always get this wrong. It, say because you <laughs> just changed, changed everything again, right? You changed your your logo and all that stuff. It's it's. Um,
4: no. So let's be fair now. Come on. It's, uh, we changed our podcast to make it all college hockey uh, Sunday through Wednesday. Okay. So each one of the podcasts has their own logo. We are having a name change in, uh, in about a month after Frozen Four, or we will become Ice Time Hockey West.
1: Okay, so that's it. Okay, that that's what. Okay, so yep. it's Ice Time yep. Hockey, but it used to be Southwest. Now it's just going to be West because that's good news because you're expanding your coverage all over the West and and apparently into Nebraska as well. Uh you do know that. West of the Mississippi. You're in Mississippi. Okay. Into west Mississippi. Of
4: Mississippi.
1: West of the Mississippi. Okay. So maybe it's just college Ice Time Ice Time Hockey America at some point. <laughs> Who knows. Who
4: knows. Uh, I love the game. I love uh, places that are adding the uh, the sport. Uh, I'm thrilled with the fact that uh, Lindenwood is making their announcement on Monday. That's why I drove this trip because I plan on driving from St. Paul to uh, St. Louis on Sunday and being there Monday to uh, handle that press conference for Coach Rick Zombo. So let me
1: ask you this: I mean, part of our conversation. I don't know if you want to talk about this, but we're going to go ahead and do that anyway. Um, part of our conversation was you have this vision, and, and we kind of share this vision because uh, with my affiliation with UNLV hockey, and of course you have a you have a love for UNLV too, because that's where we we met, and you were here a lot. Uh, you would think
2: that would turn him off
1: to UNLV. Those are always funny jokes, Steve. Those are always those are always well well timed. Um, I'm not sure. You know, I mean, despite all that, I've also managed to fool him for years. Um, you have this vision of potentially having a conference one day or starting a conference or at least moving that forward. And I've always said, hey, look, you, you know, look, I, I talk about ACHA hockey all the time. People are like, eh, okay, move on. But the fact of the matter is between UNLV, Arizona State, potentially Arizona, California schools, we can go up into the, the Dakotas with the Minot States, uh, up into uh, you know Eugene with or, with Oregon. I've talked to coaches all around the league. I know you have, and everybody has a willingness to move in that direction. Pretty soon, you need six or seven teams to to actually have a conference. Pretty soon, everybody's going to need a home because it's pushing towards the top, uh, and especially with with UNLV. I think, Scott, your idea to form a conference one day uh, is terrific, and and somebody needs to spearhead this.
4: Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, Right now we have uh, the two Alaskas, which are independent. One played this year, Fairbanks. The other one was resurrected this summer uh, in Anchorage, so they'll both be back at the NCAA level. We have Arizona State, which is an NCAA independent We now, uh, as of Monday, we'll have uh, Lindenwood as an NCAA independent. Augustana in Sioux Falls, South Dakota is coming on board in 2023. Uh, They will be an independent at least to start. Um, The UNLV now has a roadmap because, uh, if you remember correctly, last uh, September I talked with Coach Zombo. He told me his plans, and people said, no, never going to happen. Well, guess what? Push came came to shove. at Lindenwood this week during the uh, tournament. And uh, it was on a video call that Rick Zombo and the athletic director met with the president, and uh, Rick basically said, you made a promise to me, you're backing out on it. Uh, it's either me or the athletic director, and the president said the athletic director is gone, and I will now take over the reins of uh, ensuring that you go NCAA Division One hockey.
1: It-, it was kind of a bold move by Arizona State, wasn't it, Scott, to go D1 without... Any kind of local geographical partner? I mean, the the amount of money that they're probably spending on travel, I would think that they could make up if they would just have some conference partners where travel wouldn't be so extensive.
4: Well, they looked at it this way, Dana, and and next year will be a big, big uh, indicator of how successful it'll be. They have 24 home games next year, which uh, as we talk about the Coyotes too. Uh, So it's come to to us.
1: (laughs) Come to us and play.
4: (laughs) Exactly, and everybody wants to do it. Greg Powers has a waiting list because everybody wants to come to the desert in the summer. So uh, he's got big, all the Big Ten schools will make a trip out there either this year or next year. Um, he's got uh, you know plenty of teams to play. That's not ever, and that was never going to be an issue. But once they get their new facility, like uh, they had 20 home games this year, they're going to have 24 next year. Um, so they're they're fine with that. And I think that's why they felt they could make the jump. Plus, of course, they had a, a large donor that put the money up, and that helped. <laughs> yeah. So, so the, uh, But anyway, yeah, that's why they felt they didn't need a travel partner. And they also knew they had uh, non-conference games of Denver, Colorado College, and Air Force, which are just a hop, skip, and a jump by right. airplane.
1: So where is UNLV at this point in, in your mind? I mean, it seems to me you have to prove yourself on the level that they're at, at the ACHA level, before anybody will kind of sniff in that direction as far as going division one I, I think they're really i mean obviously they went to the final four this year unfortunately they lost but i think they're really really close and, and to me the the cherry on the top is winning a national title at this level and then saying hey we have nothing else to prove just like lindenwood just did uh, and the second part of that is you know, with that tournament that st louis has a terrific facility i mean they absolutely it was a great place to have that uh we've seen this tournament come out west before a uh, little success but boy is this not a tournament that is made for las vegas at some point
4: oh absolutely next year it's in boston it's going to be awful because it's hard to get to boston from most of the places expensive to get to boston but uh they're going to have it there everything in boston right here is here uh, is kind of expensive <laughs> so um and, and tightly quartered, where you, uh, you know, it's a it's a bustling city on the East Coast. You know that. Um, so it'll be interesting. But, yeah, Vegas would be a perfect spot for it. Um, so who knows? I, I, I predicted, Dana, as you know, that uh, I thought it would be UNLV and Lindenwood. I thought Lindenwood would win in overtime or multiple overtimes. And then I said, Lindenwood makes a jump this year. UNLV proves that they can get there. And uh, next year we'll have maybe the championship year and uh, we'll make the jump after that so fingers crossed let's hope that's what happens
1: yeah i think this was the one final ingredient that the that the team needed uh you only know, graduating three seniors i think it's the one final ingredient that this team needed to say okay now we really have a taste of what it takes uh they you know first round exits They've had second-round exits before, but now never this deep into the Final Four, and I think they really got a taste of what big-boy hockey is with Lindenwood, uh, and certainly the night before. Um, Scott, we appreciate uh, your time, uh, my friend, and safe travels, and good luck with everything with the conference, because I know that that's something that hopefully uh, we can work on together, and like to thank uh, you and Stephen Marsh for bringing the sport of hockey at, at this level uh, to everybody's ears, and I, I think this sport and this league is growing.
4: Absolutely, it is. We appreciate it, and uh, anytime you need me, I'm here for you. You know my number.
1: All right, buddy. All right, that's Scott Strand up next the Biggest Hockey Hotline. Mitchell Clinton, who is a Winnipeg Jets broadcaster on Jets TV. We'll be back. <laughs>
3: Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar & Grill, 4955 South Dakota. Experience the thrill of the grill. John Smith Subs is home of the famous Steak
5: Bomb and other premium deli subs with grilled-to-order marinated sirloin steak, grilled chicken, farm fresh veggies, and delicious bread baked daily. Our subs are making a name for themselves with quality and flavor. Add an order of piping hot french fries and you have a meal you can't get anyplace else. Experience the thrill of the grill at John Smith Subs. Visit johnsmithsubs.com to find a location near you.
6: Hey Golden Knights fans, I'm attorney Adam Kuttner. I'm proud to be an official partner of the Vegas Golden Knights. We're giving you the chance to play at home along with the Golden Knights to win home game tickets through our Power Play giveaway. Each time the Golden Knights are on a Power Play, we'll pick one of my Twitter followers who tags me on Twitter with the hashtag #AdamCutnerPowerPlay, And when the Golden Knights score, that lucky fan wins tickets to the fortress. So make sure to follow me on Twitter, Go Knights, go! Calling
5: all Vegas Golden Knights superfans for the Terribles Game Day Giveaway. During all of Vegas Golden Knights' home games, visit any participating Terribles location, make a qualifying purchase, get a scratch card, enter on the Terribles app, and you could win a $1,000 Golden Knights shopping spree! Best yet, one lucky customer will win this prize every day the Vegas Golden Knights have a home game. Terribles Game Day Giveaway.
3: It's only... Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar & Grill, 4955 South Dakota. STN Sports is the
5: only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and up to a $100 new sign-up bonus. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards for every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to StationCasinoSports.com or sign up at at any Station Casino or Wildfire. Complete details available at all sportsbooks.
1: Alright, welcome back to Vegas Hockey Hotline. I'm Dana Lane along with Stevie Slapshot. Brought to you by Station Casinos. Powered by the STN app. Changed it up a little bit there. Oh, I like that. Man, this, It is fantastic. I, I went a couple weeks ago and... I loaded it up, and I thought, wow, this is, <laughs> this is better than what I had. So, obviously, I, I'm very happy with um, what they've pro- provided for me as far as the app is concerned.
2: Packed so, with options. Well, it is. Yeah.
1: It, it is. I mean, even when you're, you're playing in-game, you can actually choose the amount of points that you want, not just the preconceived hey this is what the number the in-game number is now if you want a six this is what you're going to pay you know a little bit more on the juice if you want a better number you know how that goes but all right another debacle last night in winnipeg for the vegas golden knights and you know steve i don't think it's anything more than they're doing the best they can with what they have yeah I, i don't think this there there are times where i could say okay there's a there's a lack of a little bit of a lack of effort we see a lot of reaching with the sticks not being in position causing you know i mean you a skilled forward is going to beat you putting down a stick any day which we saw last night that sort of thing bad goaltending last night which just furthers the point that briswad will never be the guy that we would that that vegas would lean on when they go into the postseason uh on the line right now is mitchell clinton from the uh, jets tv and nhl.com and you know, watching that game last night, I, I kind of felt for Vegas because if I'm the Winnipeg Jets, I, I looked at that game and said, "Man, we have to win this game. It is very important as we're trying to track down the Knights, and here they are, a wounded animal right in front of us, and they, and they certainly did that last night."
6: Yeah, hi guys. Uh, it's it's been interesting because. You know, you look at the goals that the Winnipeg Jets scored last night, and you guys talked about you know sticks in, in lanes and lanes and trying to to stop some of the the offense that the Winnipeg Jets were producing. You know, you, you look up and down the Jets lineup, and of course, you're going to see guys like Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers and, and Mark Scheifele; those guys are going to jump out. But the goals that the that the Jets were getting last night on just you know wrist shots going off the yeah. bar and in or short short side high, those haven't been going for for Winnipeg for the first half of the season. It's been a lot of you know, get pucks to the net and you try to get second chance opportunities. I think it's still a priority, but for the longest time, like I remember, um, prior to the All Star break, we were talking about uh, Mark Shifley a little bit and just the fact that man, like, like he's getting all these chances. Pucks aren't going in for him. His shooting percentage was somewhere down around ten percent. His career is like sixteen or seventeen. And then all of a sudden, it just kind of seems like it all kind of came together last night. Now Shifley, of course, is up to 23 on the season, so he's rolling right along, kind of right on pace with where he would normally be. But I just found that every single goal that the Jets seemed to get last night were ones that they weren't necess- that weren't going for them at the start of the year. Um, so I think Vegas kind of ended up in a in a tough spot because it just seemed that every member of the Jets was feeling it last night. They're riding a little bit of momentum. They're six two and one now in their last nine games, and that's been a big reason why all of a sudden, you know, you if you're the Golden Knights, you're looking over your shoulder, and the Winnipeg Jets are now only two points back.
2: Hey Mitchell, you mentioned Kyle Connor that it's kind of expected. Kyle Connor to me is the best player in the National Hockey League that no one talks about. He gets lost in the shuffle. All the guy does is score thirty yeah. goals every year. It's fourth in goals. Yeah. Nobody knows know. him. And, and and no one I I imagine he gets a lot of uh a talk up there in Winnipeg, but but in the National mm-hmm. Hockey League, nobody talks about this guy.
6: Yeah, and he got his uh first NHL All Star nomination uh this season and you know, got to come down to well, Vegas of course, and uh got to show it off a little bit, but yeah, it just seems you know game in game out, and you know Vegas this season you know has seen a lot of uh, Kyle Connor. Of course, the the first matchup between the two teams went to overtime, and it was Kyle Connor getting the OT winner. And it was weird because that that game in January was the first time the Jets had been to Vegas since you know the pandemic hit, and the last time they met before the pandemic, well, it was Kyle Connor in overtime once again. So um yeah he's just you know there's so many aspects to his game of course everybody knows the release that that's kind of the, the thing that he's always been known for the goal he scored against the st louis blues in winnipeg's last outing prior to the game against vegas was i mean pete kyle connor he takes a pass he looks short side and just absolutely whips the thing past uh, jordan bennington um that's the type of thing that, that he's capable of doing but he's been playing all situations for the jets this year um he had a little bit, uh, like kind of a brief stint on the penalty kill a couple of seasons ago. They put him back there this year, and he, just the way that he's been able to play there, he forces a turnover, and he takes off. It, it's real hard to catch him. So there's, there's a reason why he was in the fastest skater uh, at the uh, All-Star weekend there. So he's doing it with his, uh, with his shot. He's doing it with his feet um but at the same time you know the Winnipeg Jets interim head coach Dave Lowry's always kind of said you know we want to be a team that's tough to play against but he doesn't expect Kyle Connor to go into the corner and get the puck back the same way Adam Lowry does you know he's not going to throw 11 hits in a game like Lowry did last night Kyle Connor's going to go in he's going to get in on the on the hands, and he's going to try to create a turnover that way and I just it just seems like whatever Kyle Connor touches this season is ending up on a on a jet sticker in the back of the net and Last night just was one of those ones. I I felt bad for former Jet Lauren Brossoie because I'm sure he's probably seen this happen to other goaltenders on the on Winnipeg's second goal. You know he gets the puck in that right circle there, and it just looks he's not even looking at the net. And all of a sudden, bang! It's in the back of the net. He just kind of whipped it at uh, five-hole on Brossoie, and you just know that. LB, as we used to call him here, has seen that a time or two, and then he was on the receiving end of it last night.
1: Well, the last place that he ever wanted to get pulled from was <laughs> was at your barn for sure. Yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, I, I look at this team, and I don't, as it is right now, you know, Daryl Sutter still I watched his press conference last night, still calls his team, you know, the best on paper. Them in Edmonton in the in the conference, um, certainly not at this point. But I, I think there's two things going on. I don't think there's a work ethic. Uh, problem. Uh, we've seen the, the Golden Knights, you know, since the beginning of the year, have allowed the least amount of first period goals. So they're coming out; they're ready to play. Uh, this is not a, a team that, like in the first ten minutes, we saw it last night against Winnipeg. I mean, they, you know, weren't lighting it up themselves, but certainly playing well defensively enough where that that third opportunity for the Jets in the offensive zone wasn't, you know, getting to Brissois. And they played well uh, from that standpoint. But I think for me the difference is when you have young guys up, when you have a team that basically is the Henderson Silver Knights in many ways, you have guys on the ice that are thinking. And they are they get the puck on their stick and they're not immediately making a decision. There's too much thinking in all three zones. And until they get from that point – to allowing their natural ability and instincts to take over. This team is going to have difficulty uh, on either. They're going to figure it out or they're going to have to wait to get healthy. I'm not sure which one's coming first.
6: Yeah. And I remember back in, uh, 20, it was the 2016 season kind of coming out after the Winnipeg Jets drafted Patrick Laine. It was kind of a shift that the Jets made that they, they were going to go young. And they were going to there's a reason for it it's because unfortunately the only way that that young players can really get comfortable and get rid of that you know split second of thinking that they're doing on the ice is reps and it's just it's repeated over and over and over again and you know and even then sometimes you know you can have a situation like Alex Petrangelo a fantastic defenseman in the National Hockey League makes one misread and all of a sudden Blake Wheeler's in in and opening the scoring right and
5: well I would echo
1: um doesn't it cause everybody else to think too Mitchell I mean doesn't it cause when you know that there are spots on the ice that you have to cover because of inexperience doesn't it make the players like Petrangelo who has experience doesn't it also turn him into a thinking hockey player as well
6: yeah I think you're it's kind of you know from the forwards back but then also in your defensive zone out right like there's always a situation where you know if you have maybe a veteran guy in a certain position and you know that as a defenseman you know you're you're like okay you know if I put it here more more likely than not he's he's going to win this puck battle or he's going to get the puck and put it here or something like that whereas when it's a younger player you don't necessarily have those reps with them. And that's why it's, it's so important and you don't necessarily, even though these guys, you know, practice the the schedules are so condensed for all these teams in the second half of the, of the season, there's not as much practice time. Like the Winnipeg Jets, this is kind of their first couple of days off between games in, a, in quite a while. Um, so no surprise. It's an off day for the team today. Um, as for Vegas, you know, it's, it's, a, I think a similar situation. It's, it's a matter of these guys are, are coming in and you're, you're also getting guys back from injury. I mean, Look no further than than Jack Eichel, a guy who hasn't played in a long time, and I, I was excited to watch him last night and 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 see how healthy and 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 good he looked, considering all of that. Because man, he's fun to watch. And you know the rest of the lineup. Yeah, when you're bringing guys in, the the Jets were in a similar position uh, a little while ago, and uh, where they had some some young guys up. Uh, Christian reichel played in, in Vegas, a, a guy that you know was undrafted. He comes into the National Hockey League really. You know, all, you, all all, these guys need is, is a bunch of reps, and unfortunately, sometimes that comes at a cost of, uh, of some games that, you know, if you have enough young guys in the lineup that maybe don't have the NHL experience, that can get exploited a little bit, especially at a league uh, this high. But, you know, all of these all of these reps pay off eventually. It's just, uh, it sucks in, in the present time when, when things aren't uh, quite bouncing your way. Because I, I, I would agree with what you said initially. You know, that opening 10 minutes, Vegas looked quite good. And, you I mean, you look at the... Uh, The numbers in terms of shot attempts over the course of the game, yes, the Winnipeg Jets built the lead, so maybe they backed off a little bit. But Vegas certainly seemed to be doing a lot of good things. But Connor Hellebuck's play, I think, throughout the contest is something that doesn't really get talked about a whole lot because the Jets put up seven. But he made some big stops uh, throughout the contest, especially in that first period, to keep Vegas at bay.
2: I like that that the Knights got... More shots on goal. They, they they get quality scoring opportunities. Mitchell often. I, I I don't know how much you watch them, but they they create a lot of quality scoring opportunities every game. They they just don't hit the net with those shots last last night they did. And as you said, a lot of more easier for Hellebuck, but he also made a number of high quality saves. I'll just, since you're there in Winnipeg, I will just ask you about Hellebuck. And if there's any concern about him, he's done this before. Um, if you guys make a run here and get in the playoffs, he's going to start about 60, 65 games in the regular season. Is, is that an issue in the playoffs?
6: I don't think so. Only because he's done it before. Um, so the thing is, you know, with with Connor Hellebuck, he's a guy that will always say, you know, "I'll play every night." And of course, if you're the head coach, you're not going to have him do that. Uh, but they've, uh, Winnipeg's done a really good job, I think, of just kind of managing him on the days off. Now, while there was a run where the Jets were uh, a little bit further back in the standings and they were trying to get back in, they, they ran Connor Hellebuck for, I believe, it was 13 straight games, which is a, a career high. And then, you know, they went into a back-to-back and, and they were able to get. Uh, they got Eric Comrie in goal, and Eric Comrie's had a, had a sensational season. His first really is a full-time backup in this league, he's won each of his last four starts, and you know I think that's been able to to give Connor Hellebuck a bit of rest. But the other thing that they've been doing, even if you know the maybe the Jets were, were practicing today, Connor Hellebuck might have just taken taken the day did did something off ice or whatever, and then he'll come out for the morning skate, go through his routine. They've they've done everything that they could that they can over the last little bit. To really try to manage that because yeah like you said it's he's on pace i think he's leading the national hockey league and starts with 50 or 51 he's probably going to get up into that number like you mentioned especially over the last 20 games or so here with the jets still having to push they've still got to make up some ground on some teams that have some games in hand on them as well so every game being so important for the jets um i would expect you know connor helbuck's going to face a lot of work but at the same time I think his experience in handling that, that workload is uh, is going to help him. Um, but it, when, it, when it comes down to it, as, as Dave Lowry said, you know we've put ourselves in this position. We're the only ones that can get ourselves out of it, and Connor Hellbach's going to have a big uh, role to play in that.
2: Dana Mitchell, the other thing I noticed last night, the, the Knights just handed uh, Winner Plague the blue line. There, there, no one got stood up. <laughs> Uh, they, Even they were, when
1: they went through it, there was plenty of space to be had after they accessed the offensive zone.
2: And I don't know if that's experience of the guys that are, or the inexperience of the guys that are on the ice, or if it's you know McNabb and Martinez, especially being out, and then um, Potanjo, the other guy that, that would do that. I mean, he's getting so much ice time now; he's gassed. Did was there any comments uh, after after the game, Mitchell, about how easy it was for the Jets to get into the offensive zone?
6: Not in particular, uh, but what I would say is that for the Winnipeg Jets has been a priority, but it starts in their own zone. What what they've been doing a lot better over the last little bit here has been um, breaking out a lot cleaner. And when they're able to do that, they're able to generate that speed through the neutral zone that makes them so much to handle. Um, earlier in the season, and we talk about you know uh, players getting used to each other, I think this decor that added Brandon Dillon, that added you know Nate Schmidt, a guy that you guys are quite familiar with. I think there was some some adjustments, and then there was injuries too. So I think they're now at a place where they're a little bit more comfortable with each other in the pairings, and they're able to you know make these reads, make these plays, and uh, get out of their zone a lot quicker and a lot cleaner than they were maybe earlier in the season when things weren't going as well. So I think yes, you know if you had a little bit more of those experienced guys on the back end, like you like you mentioned, and you know Martinez is a big one to to not have. Uh, out there for for Vegas. So uh, I think it's a little bit of a combination of both. Um, it becomes hard also as a defenseman, I would imagine, to, to kind of hold that blue line if the back pressure that I, I know that Vegas used so effectively against uh, Winnipeg in the 2018 Western Conference Final, if that back pressure isn't quite where it needs to be, it becomes very difficult for the defenseman to step up and try to, you know, make a play at the blue line to, to stop any sort of forward momentum. They almost have to back off. And then that's what uh, allowed the Jets a lot of room to play with uh, in the offensive zone.
1: I want to talk about that top line of yours. You picked up Paul Stastny uh, last season for the mm-hmm. Knights, uh, from the Knights for a conditional 22 pick. Carl Dahlstrom, who's not even in the Knights organization anymore. I think he's in Toronto. Uh, he was a, a throw-in on the deal. But not only is Stastny, who still – and I just couldn't find his footing here, I think, is the correct way to say it – but. He certainly has found it there. He's on playing top-line minutes or, or second-line minutes at least, but I think he's primarily now on that top line. And I also want to talk about a guy like Blake Wheeler who, when this season started, there was a lot of questions on you know, how is Wheeler going to how is he actually going to be able to play top line minutes or be as reliant as or reliable as he has been in the past? just due to his age or a lack of speed, but that seems to kind of have settled down. And maybe it's settled down there with the culture change between Dave Lowry and Paul
6: Maurice. Yeah, and it's hard to tell because obviously I'm not in the room. Like I mean, Paul Maurice and Blake Wheeler had a fantastic relationship, and I think that likely still continues. And I know Paul Stastny was a one of, the, one of the reasons that Stastny came to, to Winnipeg and then was excited to, to come back after the trade um, was to work with, with Paul Maurice. And I think interim head coach Dave Lowry would, would say that, you know, when he came to the organization a couple seasons ago, he was excited to work with Paul Maurice too. So um, culturally, I don't know how much of a, of a change there is, but I mean, you mentioned Paul Stastny. He's got 17 goals on the year now. And um, it just seems no matter what line he's put on, because he's been on a few, uh, this season, this line with uh, Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler has kind of been together for the last handful of games or right. so, and it seems like you know when when they're going, um, there are a lot to handle. Because I mean, you got Mark Shifley, who's still a, a young guy even after his birthday yesterday, um, twenty nine yesterday, right? And yeah, exactly. Um, so I mean, you got him in the middle of the in the middle of things, but what Paul Stastny I think really brings to that line is another option at center because you know Mark Scheifele's right-handed Paul Stastny's uh, left-handed they're able to kind of work off each other on the strong side and Paul Stastny's face off percentage over the last number of games has just been sensational and then you look at last night he was a measly 91 percent in the draw for the face-offs that he did take so I think that's a big asset for the Winnipeg Jets there he's done a little bit of penalty killing as well uh, for the Winnipeg Jets uh, in that regard as well in terms of Blake Wheeler yeah he had a A tougher start to the season where he had scoring chance after scoring chance after scoring chance, not unlike a lot of members on the, on the, on the jets early. And it just wasn't going for him. I mean, he had six or seven breakaways and he was stopped on every single one. And it's almost like, and I think he said, he almost just shake your head at it. And and he sarcastically said, you you forget what it looks like when the puck goes past the goalie for once. But then there was a game in Vancouver and this was just prior to his uh, injury that kept him out for, 19 or 20 games or close to six or seven weeks where he scored his first goal of the game, assisted on two others and basically could have had a hat trick in the first period, the way he was playing. It was He called it his best game of the season. The coaching staff called it his best game of the season. And then he gets hurt in the third period and he's out for six or seven weeks. So he kind of, he came back from that injury and really has kind of seemed to be picking up from where he left off. He's up to nine goals on the season now, which, you know, obviously for him, I think he expects more offense out of himself. But at the same time, you know, his assist number starting to creep up again. Um, he's already, you know, he's one point shy of surpassing the, the amounts he had from the shortened season last year in terms of points. So he's kind of right back on where where he kind of expects out of himself. Um, I think just a little bit of a slower start. And he said earlier in his career, he was always kind of a slow starter. The last few seasons, he's been able to come out of the gate pretty hot. But he wasn't too concerned about a slow start. And he'll always say his his personal stats don't really matter to him. It's it's getting wins, and that was his focus even after the game. You know, yeah, I think he was asked about you know how did it feel to to get this win over Vegas, knowing how important it was. And he said, "We just want to get yeah. wins, but like, we'll enjoy it tonight. We got another big one against a surging Boston team on Friday, so um, no rest in terms of either Stastny, Wheeler, any member of the Jets. They know they've got a still a bit of a mountain to climb here, and then they're doing that old cliche one game at a time thing."
1: Yeah, we're talking to Mitchell Clinton from Jets TV and NHL.com. And I guess I I, misspe- I misspoke a little bit because I, I throw the, the phrase culture change around a little bit too much. I I, I think mm-hmm. for me that encompasses a new voice. And that does not mean it's a negative towards who was just yeah, yeah. there. I mean, we, we've we seen it in Vancouver with, with Boudreaux completely turned that – uh, that team around a, a team that was left for dead in the playoff race is now right there with you, and, and then uh, of course with with Paul Maurice, who I absolutely have a ton of respect for. We even saw it here in Vegas. Uh, it was just a time where you know Gerard Gallant's voice, who may be a guy that you know we've heard is not much of an X and O's guy, but he is a guy that is inspirational. And maybe that uh, kind of only lasts for a while. So I guess the the better question is: Is that was that all it needed? Just Let's let's hear something different. Maybe not not a ton of different philosophy, but just a new voice. And it's not really a, a negative towards Paul Maurice.
6: Yeah, and I remember when uh, when Paul Maurice left. That was kind of his his thought on the situation as well. Uh, they just kind of needed a a new voice in there. Now, obviously, Dave Lowry was on the coaching staff with Paul Maurice, um, so. I don't know if systematically they've changed a whole lot. I'm sure there's like there's a few tweaks here and there. The one thing that kind of has surged under under Dave Lowry um is the the Jets penalty kill. Now they they give one up to to Vegas last night, but since mid-December, so Dave Lowry took over officially on December 17th, I believe since then their their penalty kill has been top 10 in the National Hockey League, but they had such a tough start on the PK to the year. That they were hovering, you know, in and around 31st and 30th for the longest time, but you look from mid-December on, you know, prior to this uh, last kind of four-game stretch where they've they've given up one power play goal every game, but um, prior to that, you know, they were I think inching towards fourth in the in the NHL over the course of that you know mid-December to the present span. So I think that's probably been the biggest change I've seen in the Winnipeg Jets is their confidence on that uh, on that penalty kill. And, I mean, you guys saw it last night, uh, Adam Lowry's shorthanded marker that the kind of closed up the scoring. That's a breakaway that he's seen a bunch of times over the last probably month. It just seems that whenever the Jets are on the penalty kill, it's either Kyle Connor or it's Adam Lowry that's kind of forcing this uh, this turnover and they're going back the other way. Um, so if I had to point to an area that maybe was uh, improved to a certain extent under, uh, under Dave Lowry, I would definitely look at the penalty kill. But I do know that that was something, and he's mentioned this as well, that was something that uh, they kind of had a mindset shift uh, in the game against Seattle, which was about 10 days, I believe, before uh, Paul Maurice officially resigned. They kind of went to a little bit more of of an aggressive penalty kill instead of being a little bit more passive and trying to take away shooting lanes, they just tried to take away time and space, and it really has uh, worked out for them.
1: Yeah, he certainly turned on the Jets to get that last goal.
2: Turned on the Jets. Well You done. like that? Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, that's uh, Nicely that, that's my education coming through. Uh, Mitchell, we really appreciate your time. Five of your next seven games are against teams not in the playoffs, and perhaps when you return to Vegas next, I think, on Tuesday, maybe that number will change a little bit, unfortunately, for Vegas. But we do appreciate your time. Look forward to seeing you on TV and NHL.com.
6: Yeah, no problem, guys. Thank you. All
1: right, buddy. Well, that wraps up another day. We'd like to thank Cam Stewart from Sports Grid Network on Sirius Channel 159. Of course, Steve Colefield from ESPN 1100 Las Vegas. Scott Strand from Ice Time Hockey Southwest. Which Probably is lost
2: in a cornfield
1: somewhere right now. Likely, in well, yeah, he's... <laughs> Probably got steam coming up from his car. I've heard those stories a million times. and of course Mitchell Clinton from Jets TV and Winnipegjets.com and of course we always want to thank our friends over at station casinos Chuck Esposito who'll be on Friday. make sure to download the STN app right now. Tomorrow we're gonna to have Paul Stone on to talk about NCAA, the NCAA tournament. Jesse Newell, the beat writer for the Kansas Jayhawks, will be along. And on Vegas Hockey Hotline, poker legend Daniel Negreanu and Brian McCormick, the voice of the Henderson Silver Knights, will be on. Well, we fooled him again, Marie. We appreciate it. For Stevie Slapshot, so- slap I knew I was going to screw that whole thing up. <laughs> for Stevie Slapshot, I'm Dana Lane, hoping everyone has a terrific night. Thanks for listening.
2: Have a great afternoon, everybody. Hello,
0: hockey game. Take me where hockey players face off down the rink, and the Stanley Cup is all filled up for the champs who win the drink. Now the final flick of the hockey stick and the one gigantic screen. The puck is in, the Canadians win the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Hockey game, oh the good old hockey game is the best game you can name, and the best game you can name.